Amen. If you would take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Romans chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4, we'll be looking here at the first five verses as you're finding your place there. Uh, do remember this week to pray for our uh, Bible college students. They'll be flying, each of them, I think, on a different day this week. I think one's flying tomorrow, and then Elena's scheduled to fly on Tuesday, and then one on Friday. Uh, and so I think Kyle's tomorrow, and Josh is Friday. Uh, and so, of course, the storms that are blowing in could impact that. And so they may or may not impact uh, departures and safety as they come and go. Uh, and so do be in prayer for them. And so and also they're going to a hostile state. And so uh, as far as uh, worshiping the Lord is concerned, then uh, that's one of the hot spots that's having a lot of threats today, even with uh, some of the pastors there. Uh, and so keep them in, in our prayers as they go back. Pray the Lord will give them a safe and a good semester. Uh, as the colleges, of course, are all making adjustments to all of the, the, the necessary COVID adjustments. And so I uh, pray the Lord will give them a great time there, work in their hearts greatly, and prepare them uh, to serve them in ministry. Romans chapter number 4, and we'll begin here uh, in verse number 1. The Bible says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And I want to speak to you this morning on the thought and with the question, who do you believe? Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, bless your message, bless your word. Lord, open and speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, who we believe in life determines a lot of things about our life. We, all of us this morning, I think, if I were to pose the question, I have no doubt that if I were to ask everyone in the room this morning, do you believe God, that everyone that's here would say, yes, I do. Um, but intellectual belief, in a sense, is different than true, complete belief. True belief dictates how we live. There are a lot of people that would say, yes, I believe God, but there's no real evidence of God in their life. There's no real evidence in God, of God and, and God's principles and God's word in the way that they think and process information. And, uh, and it's, it's, not, it's not difficult to see that. I mean, it's just I know that we're in kind of a political season right now. Uh, and I'll touch on some of that a little bit, not a whole lot. But the reality is, is when you look at I know that I, when I look at different politicians, and I don't even have to be specific in name because for probably the last 40 years, it's been, uh, you know, pretty common uh, but I look at some that proclaim themselves to be of a particular faith or uh, within a particular church, but yet their political views completely are completely different than what the position of their church is. Um, and so they, they have to try to reconcile that and they have to spend time kind of defending the position. And I would say this, that they, what they really believe is what they practice. They can say all they want, I believe this, but true belief is evidenced by what we practice. And so if I believe the world this morning, then my life is going to show in its deeds 
the fact that that's who I truly believe. And if I believe God, then it will show and manifest itself in how I live regarding the Lord. So who we believe determines the course of our lives. And we look at a lot of things. You know, I, I think about young people as they're transitioning from their teen years into their young adult years when they're learning how to stand on their own two feet, when they're learning to make their own decisions, when they're learning to chart their own path in life. Uh, and it's easy to just do what the crowd says uh, and just enjoy your youth. I mean, that's kind of like the motto of the day or the reality of how most people live today. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm young and I'm bulletproof and I'm just going to uh, go out and enjoy life. That's just kind of the world philosophy. Whereas wisdom says, prepare for the future. Make preparation for the future so that you have a life that's meaningful uh, and a life that makes an impact. Uh, the, the reality is, is that most things in nature, you watch, we're watching these two hurricanes or what probably will end up being two hurricanes this week. Uh, and what they're doing, and if you've watched the news, they keep talking about, well, this high pressure system's here and this high pressure system's here. And this kind of opens a little pathway through for these storms to go here. The, the message of what they're really saying is, is that those storms, as powerful as they are and as large as they can be, are following the path of least resistance. And that's the way most people live their lives. Water always follows the path of least resistance. I remember as a kid, I would go down to the creek across the street from the house that we had up in, in North Texas. And, uh, and usually it had a little trickle of water. Sometimes it was too much to really be down there in. But for the most part, it was just little trickles and it would, it would choke down. And so I would uh, always, you know, I'm probably seven, six, seven, eight years old. I'm going down there and uh, I've got my, uh, I've got my, you know, jet plane toys and my tanks and my army men and I'm building a dam across there and then I'm getting big rocks and bombing it, you know, so I can like destroy everything downstream. And, uh, and as you watch and you puddle up that water and it starts to escape, you just watch it and it just it just follows the path of least resistance. And that's, again, the way that most people live, uh, not planning for uh, the future. But wisdom challenges a path, even if it's challenging, that is going to be meaningful, that is going to make an impact. Uh, the world and the crowd says, follow the desires of your flesh. But wisdom says, Discipline yourself that you may achieve. And even outside of a spiritual realm, those that are wise will follow a more disciplined path. But we know that if we truly believe the Lord, that we're going to follow his plan and his path. And sometimes that path will be very clear. And at other times that path uh, will be a little bit murky. We will be a little unsure about uh, direction or where it might lead. It may not be revealed as part of his plan. And I think that certainly you see that uh, in the life of Abraham. I, I think of a couple of young men, uh, or one in particular, whenever I was uh, younger and just first in ministry, and I watched him as an older teenager in the church there grow up and uh, come into uh, time to go to college. And while almost all of his classmates and friends uh, went to do things that uh, 
we're just more along the lines of this is what's easy uh, or this is what's, and I'm not knocking going to uh, junior college or trade school. If that's what God has called you to do and it's going to prepare you to a greater path, fine. But most of these young people are just kind of selling themselves short. They, they weren't really, they were just looking for, okay, I want to take a next step, but I want it to be easy and I want to enjoy my freedom and I want to just go hang out at the river all the time and I want to go and play. I don't, they weren't really serious about life. And I'm not criticizing enjoying nature and life and doing all we all need those types of things but some people live a life where that dominates their life uh, and so this young man in spite of really all of his friends that come to mind uh, going and taking the easy path packed up and moved from uh, East Tennessee to Memphis and enrolled in a really difficult course of study uh, and for four or five years uh, would make that trek and was completely isolated and separated and had a completely different life and now in his hometown is a very successful dentist. Where some of the others are, uh, are, are you know, working different jobs, they're, they're working, they're not uh, just doing whatever, but, but they're not, they didn't reach their potential, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because they, they didn't have their focus in the right place. They didn't really believe that some of these things that were important were important. You know, when you get into other things in life, when you, you, you face a, a judge and a jury, decisions are made based upon who is believed. There's always, a, a, you know, a, a case made against and a defense made for. But who is believed is the one that's going to be acted upon. We look at, uh, in our own lives, that uh, we, uh, down to our most basic relationships, that who we believe will determine our behavior. And the reality is, is that our behavior will reveal the truth of whom we believe. You know, I can say I believe a lot of things, but how it manifests itself in my day-to-day -day interactions and relationships and lives is another story and it reveals the truth. If you believe the naysayers this morning, then your life will accomplish nothing. If we believe the new evangelical crowd will accomplish a, a, a superficial and a shallow Christianity. If we believe the scripture and the truth of the principles of God's word, then we could impact the world for Christ. And who we believe will establish priorities in our life, who we believe will choose the relationships of our life and how they're impacted and who we believe will establish if you're young your career path. Abraham was a man that God and led Paul to write about here that show us things that were challenging a former system of beliefs and presenting uh, Jesus as the, the correct system of belief. And when you look at our text this morning, uh, you see that he says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Paul is challenging them and he's explaining to them that justification is by faith and not by works and that Jesus was crucified and that all of us are, uh, are, are sinners and that we're all in need of a Savior. And he says, What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, is found. What did Abraham discover? He's going all the way back, pre-Moses. And the reason I believe that Abraham is chosen and that Abraham is so important is very relatable. 
You stop and you think about the Gospels and how many times they came to Jesus to criticize him or to try to trip him up. And they said, this is what Moses said. What do you say? This is what the law says. What do you say? This is what our tradition has taught us. What do you say? Uh, and so they looked at Moses. Moses was the great lawgiver. He gave something very powerful and very profound and something that dominated their lives. And uh, even though they, they pushed it and they enforced it, they really, though they would have you believe that they lived it, didn't do a very good job of living it. Look at Jesus when he tells them, do as the Pharisees and Sadducees do, not as they say. Uh, and so uh, he's laying that contrast. And Joshua uh, was a brilliant general. And David was a great poet and king. And uh, Daniel was the great statesman. And Elijah was the great prophet and miracle worker. And we could go on and on with different characters of the Old Testament that were very powerful and that were uh, very prominent that I could look at this morning and say that I know myself and I know my potential and I could never be that. That it would be hard for me to ever believe that God in this age would ever use me in such a profound way. Uh, that's beyond what I would aspire to do, so why bother? But Abraham is just a regular guy. Abraham was just a simple shepherd. There are a lot of technical things that I could probably never learn to do. I could never do Brother Chris's job. I could never get into all the media and do all the great video and editing work that he has been trained and gone to school to do. I could, I could never do those things. There are a lot of you that have uh, had technical careers and different things that uh, I may or may not be able to learn to do at some level. But I'll tell you one thing that I'm very confident that I could learn to do is sit out in a pasture and take care of some sheep. I, I'm pretty sure that I could sit out there and shoot a wolf if it came up. I'm pretty confident that uh, I could lead them to water and that I could bring them their food. Abraham was that. Abraham was just a simple man. Abraham was just a, a man who we could all look at and say, hey, I, you know, I may not ever be or could ever be what Moses was, but uh, I could be Abraham. And so Paul chooses Abraham, and obviously he is a prominent, important person in their history because he is the patriarch of patriarchs. He is the one that has uh, led the way. He, they are the children of Abraham. They refer to him as their father and rightfully so. But, uh, you know, we look at Abraham and Abraham was simply a flesh and blood man who believed God. He believed what God told him and he lived his life uh, accordingly. And you see his life impacted. Uh, what shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? What has this simple shepherd that's relatable to all of us discovered that God has revealed in his word and in his person. You see, in the contrast is this. They're clinging to tradition. They're clinging to the religion of man. They're clinging to uh, the, what's been lorded over them by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, they feel the weight and the oppression of uh, the system of, uh, of governance and uh, leadership in their lives. And the Apostle Paul says, but what did Abraham discover? And then he says, and I have written in the margin of my Bible this phrase, that this is the great unasked question of our day. What saith the scripture? Because what the Bible says supersedes everything else. 
what principles scripture set forth overrides every tradition of man, every tenet of religion. And if it's inconsistent with the teachings of the Bible, however noble, however well-intentioned, however, uh, however effective it may have been at one time or another, it is simply nothing more than a tenet of man. It is not weighty. It does not carry the weight of the power of the word of God. Abraham says, listen, I know that you believe in your religion. I know that you believe that this is the way that you ought to do and that this is going to preserve you from this or whatever. And maybe there was even some truth to some of those things that they believe. But the reality is, as he says, you're trusting in that to maintain or to give you righteousness. But Abraham truly found righteousness. What did Abraham find in the scripture that gave him righteousness? And it wasn't religion. For what saith the scripture, Abraham, and then he tells us what the scripture says. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. If we want to be righteous in the eyes of God this morning, what we must do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about works. Notice that he says, now to him that worketh is the reward reckoned of grace, not of grace, or of grace, but of debt. Abraham uh, looked back and said uh, that, that this is what the scripture saith. Verse number five says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith, his faith is counted uh, for righteousness. So what's he laying out here? That Abraham was found righteous because he believed God. And Abraham gloried in the grace of God. But he who finds his righteousness in his works glories in himself, but not before God. Notice in verse number two, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. He has something to glory about. He has something to say, hey, uh, look at what I've accomplished, but not before God. We can go to our fellow man, which is essentially what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did, and said, hey, uh, look at us. We're righteous. We've accomplished great things uh, and are worthy of you following our leadership. But that's where their glory ends. Whereas Abraham sets forth and says, I'm a simple shepherd. I live in a tent. I am righteous with God, not because of me, but because of his grace. And Abraham's faith led him to the grace of God. And my friends, this morning we find righteousness and a right standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of our works, but because of his grace. And our faith is the avenue that connects us to that grace. So four thoughts about this this morning as we consider who do we believe? Do we believe the system of this world? Do we believe the teachings of religion? Do we believe past tradition? Do we believe past history? Or do we believe God and his word? Number one this morning, consider that Abraham believed in God's person. He was not some random false idol Understand this morning that Abraham was brought up in paganism. Abraham was not a man who did not have a religious background. The people uh, of, his, uh, of his father's uh, background, he was taught a lot of things that were religious. But then one day God showed up and talked to him. 
It wasn't just an idol or a stone or uh, uh, some, uh, some figment of imagination. And it was simply coming to a place where he said uh, that there is a God who is speaking to me. He had already religion, but now he finds relationship. You know, as we look at this this morning, we talk about this, that, that what made this relationship different is first of all that they talked with one another. Abraham had conversations with God. They spoke to one another. You say, well, pastor, I could, you said we could be like Abraham and God's not going to speak to us the way he spoke to Abraham. No, he doesn't have to because he put the Holy Spirit within us to speak to our heart, to impress upon our heart, to confirm in our heart the Word of God. We have the completed Scripture. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us to speak with us. Now I would say this morning that as we uh, consider this that, you know, we, we talk to people. We don't talk to objects. I kind of joked in the service this morning, Miss Joanna's up here playing the piano. If I walked in and saw her having a conversation with the piano, I'd be a little concerned. Not real sure it doesn't happen, but I'd be concerned. You know, if I came in and saw, uh, I joke with Brother Phil, Brother Phil, uh, and Brother Phil does talk to himself sometimes. So it's really kind of a, uh, one of those things that it does concern me once in a while. Uh, and so he can be uh, walking around the hallway generally whistling or something, but then occasionally I'll catch him carrying on a conversation and I'll just kind of stick my head out the door and say, you all right, brother? <laughs> kind of, it's concerning. <coughs> we have conversations with people. It's the last time you had a conversation with the Lord. I don't mean when's the last time that you talked at him. That's what most of our prayer is. Most of our prayer life consists of us talking at God. Real prayer is us speaking to God and allowing God an opportunity to speak back to us. It requires waiting on God. It requires pausing and not being in a hurry. And I'm not saying that it's not appropriate at times to just quickly make something known to the Lord uh, and to seek his help. But I'm talking about a healthy relationship is not one-sided. A healthy relationship allows for uh, both partners in relationship, whether it's a friendship or whether it's a, a marriage or whether it's a parent-child, there's, there's back and forth. There's conversation. There's an exchange of ideas. There's an exchange of, uh, of what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's proper and Abraham believed in the person of God because he was able to converse and to engage in a relationship with God. Secondly here uh, along this line of believing in the person of God is that uh, they were friends. How many and could it be said of us this morning uh, that we are the friend of God in James chapter number 2 uh, and verse number 23 uh, the Bible says this uh, and the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness in other words the word impute means it was applied to his account you know oftentimes I'll make a, a payment of a bill online uh, and sometimes I'll do it through my bank and sometimes I'll just do it uh, straight to, through the, the app of the particular business. Uh, and generally within a day I'll get an, uh, an email, sometimes it's almost instantaneous or almost immediate, uh, saying that your payment has been applied. That's what it means to impute. That righteousness was imputed unto him and that he was called the friend of God. 
Why was righteousness imputed unto him? Why was righteousness put upon his account? Because he believed. Because he believed God. They were friends. Could you say this morning that you believe God? Emphatically, we would all say yes. But could you honestly say this morning that God is your friend? I mean, really say that he's your friend. You've conversed with him. You've interacted with him. You care about what he cares about. You're engaged with what he's engaged in. See, real friendship is not just a matter of, uh, of saying, uh, yeah, that, that, that person is my friend. We refer to people as friends that really in reality are nothing more than just a, an acquaintance. I mean, that, that person that you're there for when they need you, you drop everything and you run to their aid. That person that would drop everything and run to your aid. Are, are, are we truly a friend to God? There's no question that God is a friend to us. But are we God's friend? And if I believe God, I will become his friend. So we see, first of all, this morning that Abraham believed in the person of God. It was a personal relationship. He interacted with him. He loved him. He was engaged in, in, uh, in relationship with him. Secondly, uh, we see that Abraham believed in God's plan. Now I realize that most of these things are not laid out real directly here in our short text this morning. But I think most of us understand biblically the timeline of Abraham's life and what is strewn out from uh, through chapter 4 of, uh, of Romans and then even back in Genesis. And we, we understand the timeline of God's uh, interacting in Abraham's life. So I'm taking for granted this morning that we are familiar with Abraham a little bit. Abraham believed in his plan. I would say, first of all, this morning, back to Abraham believed in his person, that relationship must take precedent over religion. And then as Abraham believing in the plan of God is the reality that belief impacts action. I cannot believe God and it not impact my action. How I live, my day-to-day -day life, my day-to-day -day interaction, my interpretation of what's going on in the world around me. And the reality is, is that God had a plan uh, and God's plan uh, for Abraham was to establish a new nation. God had a plan for a country, for, a, for a, a place that would separate Abraham from all that he had known and taken him to, take him to a new place to establish a new nation, but ultimately the realization that God was not finished with him there, but his true country was in heaven. That his true destiny was to be in the presence of God. Because almost everything that God promised Abraham in the covenants would not be realized in Abraham's lifetime. And some of them would not be realized uh, for thousands of years. And you could argue that some of them were still waiting for them to be realized, depending on how you interpret one covenant over another. But there's still promises that God has made that have not yet been fulfilled, but enough have been fulfilled that we should have all confidence that everything will be. We look as Abraham believes in the plan of God. He believed enough that he allowed it to separate him from who and what and where he was. And to head out in a new direction. Listen, when Jesus Christ became my Savior, when I accepted his righteousness, it should separate me from everything that I was. And it should set me on a course to becoming like him. It's a new path. Abraham believed in the plan of God. Not only did he believe that it was a plan for a country, but God had a plan for his people. 
And you look at Abraham's life and how Abraham demonstrated so many things about not just what God was doing right there in the moment and for the nation of Israel, but how God was using Abraham and ultimately Israel to bring forth a Savior that would impact the lives of all of us. And Abraham... God touched miraculously, giving him Isaac whenever uh, he and Sarah were physically in, unable. It was physically impossible for them uh, to conceive a child at their age. And if they were to miraculously somehow conceive, it would have been impossible or unthinkable for the, to think that she could have carried the child uh, to term. It was just not a feasible, possible, physical reality, but God intervened because with God all things are possible and gave them a miracle child that would then in turn uh, become a type of Jesus and sacrifice on Mount Moriah. As a preface to Jesus who was a miraculous child, who was born of a virgin, again, something that was physically impossible for us to wrap our mind around and believe. No one that knew Abraham uh, and Sarah would have looked at them whenever they said that they were going to have a child and believed them. Sarah herself laughed at Jesus when he told her. If you were to go to most people and you uh, argue that Jesus is born of a virgin, most people laugh if they don't have faith and they don't know uh, the importance, the significance, and ascribed to Christianity. Why? Because it's a physical impossibility. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. And the reality is, is that Abraham believed God's plan for his people even when he didn't understand God's plan. Who I believe determines the impact of my actions, Abraham believed, so he got up and he left. Abraham believed, so he conceived a child. Abraham believed, so he took that son up Mount Moriah and would have taken his life. The New Testament tells us that he believed that if God required him to see it through, that God would raise him from the dead. But he was going to uh, fulfill and obey the command of God. It was a plan for God's people. And there is a plan for reconciliation. Ultimately, God's plan is to reconcile his creation to the creator, to bring forth a savior, to bring righteousness from Jesus and to impute it to our account if we will believe. If you believe God, then you have a path to trust him as your savior and to have eternal life. And God's plan didn't make sense to anybody, but Abraham believed God. Do we believe him this morning? Do the actions of our life show that we believe him this morning? Thirdly, consider this morning that Abraham believed in God's promise. We stated this morning that it's relationship over religion, that belief impacts action. And here I would say that belief guided, guides the planning of the, our values and the planning of our lives. See, the, the values that you and I have are shaped by something. What you believe this morning is shaped by something. If, if you line up and agree with a lot of the things that are going on in our, uh, in our nation politically this morning, uh, then you believe that because of what you, and you act upon that because of what you, system of values you've believed and have ascribed to. <coughs> if we believe God, 
then that impacts our values, it develops our values, and that those values guide and direct our paths. Abraham believed in God's promises. Abraham, God said, Abraham, get up and go and I'll make a great nation out of you. Abraham, get up and go and I'll use your line to bring reconciliation, salvation to the world. Abraham believed God and so he acted and he went. His values were shaped. His morality was shaped. His day-to-day uh, -day life was shaped by the belief in what God had promised. We see that that manifested itself in a few ways here. And I would say this, that it encouraged Abraham when he was down. The belief in the promises of God will encourage you when you're down. If you believe that God will see forth his promises, then when you're discouraged, you have something to believe in. You think that Abraham never had a moment when he was down? God, you promised to make a great nation and I'm physically unable to have a child. And how? God, you've promised, but it's all these years later. How? When we look and we consider what Abraham had to face, when he invested his life in his nephew Lot, that he would look at the life of Lot, who chose Sodom, who became an influential man in Sodom, who became someone that was so corrupt that, uh, that the only reason that we even know to realize that Lot had a righteous soul is because we're told so in the New Testament. The New Testament tells us that Lot went there and vexed his righteous soul from day to day. But if it wasn't for that, what did Abraham have to look at that would say to him, that he has a righteous soul. All Abraham could see was rejection and corruption and bad decisions and a life wasted and a life ruined. That would be discouraging. How did he find encouragement? He found encouragement in his relationship with God. He believed the Lord. The second thing I would say is that it gave him hope when he was hopeless. You know why people stop living suicides occur Drug addict turns back to their drugs and alcoholic back to their alcohol. Uh, relationships end and uh, parent-child and marriages and uh, friendships and all across the world win. Whenever the people that are engaged in those lose hope that anything will ever be better. I'm saying this morning that in Abraham's hopeless situations, and by the way, we all have situations in life at times that, that seem hopeless. That when we face a hopeless circumstance that is the belief in the promise of God that can encourage. Do we believe him? Do I believe that God will be there, that God will speak to me, that God loves me, that God will care for me, that God will give me hope in my life when, I see, when everything seems hopeless? We see that believing his promises, were, that those promises were able to light to, to be the light that guided his faith in God. All of us, if you have faith in God this morning, if you don't, didn't, you wouldn't be here. If our faith in God this morning, there are going to be times when it's really strong and it seems unshakable, and then there are going to be other times when it's shaken. What draws us back is the promise that God cannot lie, the promise that God will keep his word, the promise 
that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. Abraham believed in God's promise. And fourthly and lastly this morning we see that Abraham believed God's people. He believed in God's people. He believed that God was working. He believed that God could use lives. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, I, I know that because he invested his life in Lot. And again, I, we touched on Lot a little bit here. But it's interesting to me. <clears throat> there's no evidence, Kyle, that Abraham ever gave up on Lot. He invested. It would be an, a discouraging thing to invest in a life that from his perspective never responded. But he believed, so he invested. What I'm saying this morning is this, is that if we truly believe, are we investing? Because we do invest. We invest in that which we believe in. If I believe in the things that are going on around me, in the world, I'll invest in that. Uh, if you really believe in a particular political candidate, you're probably going to make an investment in their campaign in one, shape, one way or another, either financial or some other way. If you believe in a certain thing that's going on, then we make an investment in that. We, uh, we invest in the, the people of God and we invest in the persons of God. I had someone this morning come to me and said, Pastor, uh, I normally give money to this, but we really can't do any of that right now and God's blessed me and I want to be a blessing. Uh, how should I direct uh, how should I direct this? Uh, and I, so I shared a couple of things with the person and so that they could make a decision about how they wanted to direct it, but they wanted to be a blessing. What they, what they were saying is, I want to make an investment in someone. I want to make an investment in something that matters. And you're, you're investing your life in something. I'm investing my life in something. Is it self? Is it sin? Is it the people? Is it the system of the world around me? Or am I investing in that which God would have me invest in? He invested his life in Lot. I would say this morning too that he invested his life in his servants. There's not anything really that I can see in the Old Testament that indicates that Abraham's servants were there because they were enslaved. But yet he had servants. He had people that were under his employ that went with him everywhere that he went as he migrated to help him take care of his herds and his flocks. At one point they, uh, they said he separated in the first place from Lot because their servants were having problems with each other. And ultimately, whenever Lot got in trouble and Abraham had to go to his aid, uh, he went to his men and said, we've got to go get Lot. In other words, I need you to put your life at risk to go and rescue him. And they went. What does that tell us? That tells me that Abraham inspired his servants. That Abraham had the love of his servants. We're not going to risk our lives for someone that we're not in a strong relationship with. We're not going to risk our lives and go after something that we don't believe in. Abraham invested his life in his people. Third thing that I would say about this is that Abraham invested his worth into the work of God. In Hebrews chapter 7 we're given an account of Abraham and his giving and how he uh, are reminded of what we were told already in Genesis that he went to Melchizedek and gave him a tenth. He gave him the tithe of all that he had. He said, listen, God's given me all of this. I'm not keeping it for myself. I've got to worship God. And listen, giving is worship. 
and I realize in the New Testament that we're, we're commanded to give, but by grace uh, as God leads. But God has made it abundantly clear in the Old Testament what the minimal expectation is. He never uh, set forth as an example anything less than a tenth. Abraham invested his worth in that which was eternal in value. And by the way, making investments is not just about dollars. Making investments can be done uh, by the giving of our time, by, uh, by the setting forth. We had uh, a family this week, Brother Paul and Miss Debbie, this past week where their, uh, their air conditioning went out and they live in a trailer and the heat index was 110 plus and uh, it was going to take a day or two to get it fixed. And so, uh, so someone in our church made the investment of dropping what they were doing and going to their aid and uh, and getting it repaired uh, and someone made an investment to uh, allow them to be able to stay in the air-conditioned hotel room for a couple of nights while it was taking place. An investment. I came through uh, the other day and uh, Brother Sandy was in cleaning. I saw his truck out in the parking lot and he was cleaning. You come uh, almost every day this week. Brother Harold's been out in the in the heat doing work, uh, uh, fixing things in the apartment in the back or, uh, or bush hogging the field. And Brother Phil mowing the lawn out front and Brother Billy uh, working on vehicles and doing other things around the church. What is that? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying they were making an investment in the work of God. They were making an investment because they believe that God is real, because they believe that God loves them, because they believe that God can impact and change lives. And they are going to take and make an investment in the work of God. And I'm saying this morning, when I believe God, when I believe that He loves me, when I believe that my relationship with Him is growing and is strong, when I believe in His principles and I believe in His, uh, in his power and I believe in uh, His mandate upon us, uh, to, uh, to live the gospel and to share the gospel and to uh, love the world around us and to share the good news of Christ and to take a stand uh, against uh, that which is evil, uh, to stand for righteousness. Then when I believe those things, then I'll invest my time and I'll invest my energy and I'll make sacrifices of my person and I'll invest, yes, my dollars too, but all of it works together and investment in his work because I believe God. Again, this morning I could say, do you believe God? And we would emphatically say, yes, pastor, amen, I believe in God. I believe God. I believe what God says. But the reality is manifested by how I live my life. All of us would say, yes, I believe God. But how many people, Josh, that we work with, how many people, Brother Dick, that we live with? How many people in our extended families that we have to interact with? If they were asked, does Joe believe in God? Does Dale believe God? Does Elizabeth believe God? They say they do, but do our actions do our values back up what we say? If you're listening this morning, I hope that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart to help you examine and to confront to what extent we believe God. The reality is I believe that all of us believe God. But we don't, always, we don't all believe Him to the same extent. 
to the extent that you believe him, your life is governed by him. How governed this morning can you say that your life is by God and his principles? How important to you are the things that are important to God? Do we use a virus as a cop-out? And I listen, I understand better than most of the people in this room how devastating the virus can be if you get it. And I don't understand it as well as those that have lost loved ones to it. And I believe everybody ought to be careful and sensible. But I also know that as sure as people are doing that, that there are some that are just using it as an excuse to just take a break from our responsibilities from the Lord. I can't truly love God if I don't love what God loves. I, I can't truly say that I am fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ if I am not fully committed to love what Jesus loves. Pastor, what does Jesus love? Jesus loves everybody. Well, the one thing for sure that we know that he loves is the church because he gave himself for it. And I realize that there are a lot of places that put the church ahead of the relationship and that's just religion. That's what I'm not, I'm advocating for. What I'm saying this morning is that if I truly love and believe God, that I will be fully invested in what he invested fully in. And that is worshiping him and serving him and loving him by investing in God's people by interacting with God's people, by being an encouragement to God's people. Listen, if you're somebody that feels like, well, I really don't need the church pastor. I don't get that much out of the church. I, I just, uh, you know, I can, I can do just as well in my tree stand or on my couch watching online or uh, in my devotional life in my closet. If we're that full of pride and arrogance that we really believe that, we need to realize that Jesus said, I love the church. And even if you're right and you're that superior that you don't need it, it needs you. If you've got that much going on, if you've got that much of a powerful walk with God, then I promise you there are people in God's church that need you. They need your influence. They need your direction. They need your guidance. They need, uh, they, they, hey, listen, walk, go ahead and walk on the water all the way in the front door and give us what you got. What I'm saying this morning is, is that he loves the church and he gave himself for it. Live for the Lord. What you believe and what I believe is manifested in how we live. This morning, can I say I believe in God? I believe God. I believe what he says. I believe his word. If I do, I'll live for him.